Welcome to Zion Word Ministries International Podcast. We are excited to have you for today's message by Dr. R.L. Davis. If this is your first time here, please stay tuned until after the following message for more information regarding our ministry. But today I want to go to Philippians chapter 3 and we're going to start with verse 8, please. Doubtless I count all things but loss for the ecstasy that is the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That's quite a statement. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Eh, it doesn't mean much, you know. Which is of the law, that means nothing. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So God gives us his righteousness because of Christ's finished work. And we are made righteous by faith in the finished work. Amen. Amen. Then verse 10, Paul said this. Here we got the apostle that was caught up to heaven and, and was given the revelations of the rapture and this and that and a lot of things the Old Testament prophets wondered about and didn't understand. Paul was given. And he turns around and says, that I may know him. Now it's good to study. And we should study and show ourselves approved unto God. A workman need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's good to worship God. It's good to have spiritual gifts. It's good to have ministry gifts. It's good to have uh, all these things that's in the kingdom of God uh, that we can be used with and by and through for the betterment of the saints. But when it's all said and done, I need to know Christ. Amen. Not just about Him. A lot of people know about the Savior. They believe in God. They know a little bit about the Holy Spirit. They know a little bit about angels and, and the demonic realm, etc., etc. They know a little bit about what the little toe on Daniel's image means. They, they understand a little bit, but they don't know Christ. Paul said that I may know him. He's a subject. Say amen now. He's a subject. And the power of his resurrection. Oh, no, we want that. Oh, yes, amen, hallelujah. The power of his resurrection. Walk in that power, have access to that power that he had, and it's the same spirit that he had. It's on the church today. The same spirit that Christ was anointed with lives in the believers today. If the same Spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in you, He shall quicken your mortal body by the Spirit that dwells in you. Yes, it isn't coming from heaven. He's here. Amen. Right. He lives in the child of God by faith. He, re he resides there. He's not leaving easily. Amen. He came to stay. 
Amen. Settle that. You don't lose the Holy Spirit just because you commit a sin. But it does tell you you've got to repent of that sin and ask for forgiveness. That is true. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does among a thousand others. But Paul said that I may know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, we don't like that. You can't have the power without the other. What, what does this mean? Well, we have a hint being made conformable unto his death. So if you want the power of God, you must understand that we died when Jesus did. Amen. To become like him involves his death. And nobody wants to get saved and become a Christian when you start preaching this way. But there is no way to resurrection life until you first admit you're dead in sin. The Christian life is really a death, burial, and resurrection in Christ. Glory to God. It means to pass through death into new life. No one has new life until they pass through death. Amen. To die is to rise with Christ. Did he die on the cross, yes or no? Yes. Was he buried? Yes. Did he resurrect into glorification? Yes. If you're in Christ, that occurred in you. That's why you're not like you used to be. The old life passed away. Child of God, you don't have any past. It's just a glorious future in Christ. He's the one. Praise God. But people do not understand what it means to be baptized into Christ. I want to take a quick look at, uh, I think it's Romans chapter 6. I didn't jot it down here, but let's go there. Start in verse 3. What brought this little side note on was very simple. I got a message from uh, some American hotshot evangelist that went to Yawanda. Now, I've been to Yawanda several times in Africa. It's a small country. And this individual says in his message, the world's largest water baptismal service. That's quite a statement. And I'll admit, the picture showed several hundred, maybe a few thousand people in white gowns getting ready to be water baptized. And then he goes on to say, this is the largest immersion into Christ in the world. Something to that effect. And as we've taught you and still teach, endeavor to teach you, you cannot be baptized into Christ in the act of water baptism. So are these souls saved? Well, some of them, I hope, are. But if they're trusting 
in what they're doing rather than what's been done for us, they're not saved. I don't care how big the crowd is. Know you not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Now, if you're, if, if you're going to say that's water, then we had to drown you on rehide. The next verse then. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. It is a spiritual baptism into Christ's death. Water has nothing to do with it. That like, like as, see, it's a like, it's a figure. Water baptism is a figure of what literally happened. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And I've heard many pastors baptize the candidates and say, now you're walking in newness of life. No! You walk in newness of life when you're resurrected and born again. Water has absolutely nothing to do with it. How many understands this? How many try and understand it? Water baptism is a symbol of what happened inside of the believer. Same way with communion. As long as we understand this, I don't have a problem. But too many people have been deceived by false doctrines. And when a person puts their faith in a false doctrine, a wrong spirit is attached called religion. And I'm against it. Nobody with me. That's all right. Jesus is with me. You say, well, that's enough of that. Yes, that's, that's a little nugget there that I just wanted to clear that up. But you see, to know Jesus is to have eternal life. To know him. We're, we are engaged to him. Amen. We're a spouse. There will be a marriage take place. Praise God. The marriage supper of the Lamb will take place. Amen. And now let's drop down to verse uh, 13 of Philippians chapter 3. Sorry about the sidetrack there. I had to clear that up. Philippians 3 and verse 13. So Paul's desire was to know him, to know God. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, to have apprehended it. In other words, he's not quite where he wants to be just yet. Not meaning he wasn't saved. There's a such thing as progressive sanctification, everybody. But this one thing I did. Everybody say one thing. Okay. He's narrowing it down to one little bitty thing that we must do or should do or want to do if we want to know God. I'm talking to believers who have been born again but still want to know God in a more fatherly way. Amen. All right, this is what he said to do. This one thing. Forget those things which are behind. Hallelujah. Forget it. Forget those things that are behind you. 
Everybody say today. By the grace of God, we're going to forget those things that are behind. It's getting kind of quiet in here. Do you want to know God? Then forget those things that are behind. You want to have a shift in the spiritual realm and come up and sit up with God for a while and have a greater anointing and more blessings that's abundant? Then forget your past. You don't have a past. God's erased it. The only past that a child of God has is the good works he or she has done for Jesus. And that's it. Amen. Then the second thing he said to do in this one thing, part B, reach forth to those things which are before. This is the problem with most Christians. They're trying to serve God and looking back in the past. You're going to trip because you can't see where to go. Look forward to the future. Amen. The secret to living an overcoming Christian life is understanding the cross. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. That was a death on the cross. You must understand that message the best that we can. And then the resurrection comes. The power of God comes after the cross. So it's death and resurrection in the child of God's life. The secret to living and overcoming life is understanding the cross. There must be a spiritual grasping of that revelation that comes by the Holy Spirit. So then we are to forget the past. There's nothing worse. We've got some counselors here. I'm a certified counselor myself, but most of my counseling is done behind the pulpit. If the Word of God doesn't answer your problem in, in, in two or three months, then I'll talk to you in the counseling chambers. If it goes that far, your mind's already made up anyway. The reason most, most folks don't come for me for counseling is because they know what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. Amen. And that's good if you want to get out of your mess. Amen. But Jesus is the counselor. Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. See, Isaiah tells us. We must forget the past. Now, I want you to listen to this statement. Where I got it, I don't know. We can't move into the future when we dwell on the past. Secondly, God never consults our past to determine our future. (laughs) Paul said, I count it all but dung. You know what dung is? It's what cows do out there in the field. Now I'll give you a little sidetrack here. Don't don't record this. Some of you have chapped lips. My daddy taught me this. This is 
This is the one thing he taught me. Chap lips. You go out to the cow pasture and you find a fresh patty. And you get a little bit, put it on your lips. And I'm thinking, Dad, are you serious? He goes, well, it won't heal your lips, but it'll keep you from licking them. So that's the way I was raised. I was raised. <laughs> I was raised that way. <laughs> yeah, but you got to understand how I was raised. That's what's wrong with me. I need counseling. <laughs> but you know. Now you know where Seth got his personality. <laughs> Running around with the ostrich suit, I'll tell you what, that's something else. Then and then his wife driving him. Oh. That's even worse, you know, so I don't know. Back on the subject, sorry about that. My personality has to come out like Shift does every now and then. That devil tries to come out of him when he bugs him eyes, I'm telling you right now. Amen. God bless our president. Praise the Lord. God never consults our past to determine our future. <laughs> you want to know why people get depressed? I will tell you why. They're dwelling on the past. When in reality, God has washed it and forgotten about it. All the negatives in your past. God's mercies are renewed every morning when you get up and put your feet on that cold cold ground and that little woman in there is building a fire for you no I mean thank God that you're 100% today you might have messed up yesterday but it's a new day praise God the suns are shining the birds are singing springs are coming we got some old house shoes to put on praise God amen be thankful. A lot of people didn't get out of bed. They were hauled to the morgue, the body was. Be thankful. I heard about Smith Wigglesworth. Every morning when he got out of bed, he did a dance on the floor for 15 minutes. Every morning when he got out of bed, he done a little jig and a dance at whatever he did for 15 minutes praising God. No wonder, dear God, you're walking that kind of power. What do we do? We get it. No, oh, Lord. <laughs> These aches and pains I've got must be the bed. No. It's, it, it's, you know, if we started praising God a little bit, then aches and pains might subside. Well, a merry heart does good like a medicine. If you got problems in your bone, your skeleton, well, do a little merry heart praising the Lord for a while. Well, let's see. Have you tried it? Well, no. I'm grouch. If I don't get my coffee. And my CBD oil or whatever that is. <laughs> God forgive us. <laughs> Here's
Here's the way the devil operates on a person that's depressed. Now, it is a spirit. I've got to admit that. We all fight it some, don't we? Not me. Da -da 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 -da. Okay. I don't hear many praising the Lord's at, you know, 1030. We're supposed to enter into his courts of thanksgiving and praise, right? The devil got me. Well, why don't you submit yourself to God for a change and resist the devil and he'll flee from you? I don't know how. Do you have a Bible? All right. The devil uses bad memories and past sins to stop the momentum and create a sense of unworthiness in the person. I'm just not worthy to take communion. Who's telling you that? I'm not worthy to ask God for anything. He doesn't hear me. Will you be quiet? Well, I'm thinking it. Change your thinking. Before you call, I'll answer. I'll answer. While you're yet speaking, I will hear. Is what the prophet said about God. Amen. Let's go to First John five, and we're going to have to quit before we get through. But that's okay. It is what it is. And we'll go till we can have to quit, and then we'll just have to stop in the middle of it, and that'll be all right, won't it? Unless you want me to drag it out to 1230. Look at verse 11. And this is the record that God gave of us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Isn't that a good deal? Amen. He that has the Son has life. No wonder Paul said that I may know him. He that has not the Son has not life. Then drop down to verse 20. And we know that the Son of God is come. Praise God. And has given us understanding that we may know him. You get that? That we may know him. That is true. And we are in him. That is true. Nobody can take you out of the Father's hand. If you're in his hand. The only person in the universe that can take you out of the Father's hand is you. And I'm not going to do it. Praise God. Not going to do it. Nope. All you got to do is stay in the will of God. That's all. Amen. That's it. What's the will? Forget those things that are behind. Yeah. Press forward to those things that are in front. It's like running a race. It's like getting the football into the end zone. By the way, I think they should change that name, Chief. I'm offended by that. They're slamming the Indians, and I'm tired of it. And now it's going to be Kansas City turkeys. I'll figure out a name. 
that we may know the Son of God, that is true, has given us understanding, that is true, that we may know Him, that is true. We are in Him, that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. If you're in Christ, child of God, you cannot be defeated. Praise God. Start acting like it. It's not hypocritical. It's what the Word of God says. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. The greater one lives in you than the one that's in the world, the devil, the evil ones. Can't be defeated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go to chapter 1 and verse 9 of 2 John now. All right. Amen. Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ. Why is the word doctrine such a curse word in the church? It just means teachings. If a person abides not in the doctrine of Christ, he has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has the Father and the Son. <laughs> you don't realize how blessed you are, people. None of us realize how saved we really are. God's able to save to the uttermost. Praise God. Amen. The tenth verse now. If there come any unto you, let's say someone comes into your house, comes into the church, claims to be an apostle, prophet, whatever, claims to be some great one, and, and brings the wrong doctrine, uh-oh. If there come any to you and brings not this doctrine, which it says, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. When a Mormon Jehovah's Witness or some cult comes to the house, knocks on the door, I don't bid them Godspeed. I don't invite them in for soup and sandwich. Because you'll be partakers of their evil deeds, verse 11 says. That's the way God looks at this thing. Amen. So what doctrine are we talking about? Well, we're talking about primarily to leave the cross. Let me just simply say this as I close here. If we believers leave the doctrine of the cross, Jesus and him crucified specifically, we do not have God. And unless one turns back and repents, the soul will eventually be lost. Therefore, salvation is conditional, not unconditional. No one should ever be lost. But if you stray to the point of no return, 
You can be. But thank God, he's long-suffering. He puts up with us for years. We try to get rid of something in our life for years. He's patient. But he said his spirit will not always strive with man. There'll come a time you have to give an account. I think the easy way is to say, Lord, take it away, take it out of me. I don't want it. Amen. To be found in him is to know him. Our goal should be to know him. That's the goal. And in the process of getting there, God must remove some things out of our life that's not pleasing to him. We're all in the same boat. Some of us have gone a little further than others. We understand what people are wrestling with. We were there. That's the reason. Don't forsake the counsel of your elders. Don't do it. No, they've been down the road. They know. The seventh verse will stop. Many deceivers are entered into the world. I mean, I've never seen so many deceivers and false prophets ever that's in the world right now and crept over into the church. Now, here's how we know. Who confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Now, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. All right. If we, if we were to shoulder up to these people and they've got a good charismatic personality, smooth-talking individuals, you know, uh, likable. But if they don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, they're antichrist. And I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to say this, but Islam is antichrist. There are even some churches in America that claim to be right with God, but they just say, well, Jesus was a good man, a prophet, but he wasn't the son of God. That's impossible. So they deny the virgin birth. Well, now, Mary didn't have any sin, therefore, no, Mary was a sinner. The Catholics are wrong. So I get in trouble for this. But they'll have to talk to my boss about it. I water this word down and change it to fit your little pet peeves. Holy Spirit's gone from me, and I'm not going to do that. No. Amen. So basically, what these false churches are doing is denying the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was God. He is God, and He always will be God. To deny Him is to deny salvation. No salvation. And yet, Islam says, our God has no son. Then you're all going to hell. Is that too rough? And let me say this. Jack Van Empty is going to be with the Lord now, but at, he was a Baptist, but at least he held the plumb line of Christianity on the TV. 
didn't he? And TBN kicked him off of TBN. How do you know? My daughter works down there. Kicked him off because he come against Catholics and Muslims and Christians coming together as one under the love and grace of God. It's called Chrislam. You ever hear of that? Chrislam. Don't fall for it. Oil doesn't mix with water. Light doesn't mix with darkness. And yet the push is on now. The ecumenical move has been coming on for 20 years. Oh, well, why don't you churches get along? Whenever they walk in the straight and narrow, I'll get along with them. Whenever they have proper doctrine, I can walk with them. But how can we walk with them when we're not agreed? This separates the Christians from the professing ones. If we love God, we will hold to His Word no matter what. That's what God requires. If you want to be anointed, if you want to be a lukewarm and fall by the wayside and wind up in hell, just change that word of God and you'll find your name and get out, bought out of the book of life soon. I'm not going to do it, glory to God. This church may get small, but we're going to be powerful. We're not going to deny the truth of God's word. Amen. What is it basically in a nutshell? It's this. God became flesh and dwelt among us, was born in the Virgin Mary. Say Amen. Lived a sinless life, 33 and a half years. Was anointed with the Holy Ghost at age 30 when he was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. He was anointed without measure. Amen. Amen. He suffered like no man and went to the cross and took the awful beating, the nails in his hands and his feet and the thorns in his brow, spit upon, beard plucked, suffered like no man for six hours on the cross and he didn't do anything wrong. But he said, Father, not my will, but you'll be done. And he bowed his head when it was all over and gave up the ghost. He went down into paradise and preached the spirits in prison. His body was laid in a borrowed tomb. Amen. But after three days and three nights, early before daylight, Sunday morning, he rose victorious over death, hell and the grave. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. He moved paradise from the underworld into the Father's house, heaven. He was seen of over 40 days and 40 nights on the earth. Amen. He never healed anybody after the resurrection. He went back to heaven and sat down the right hand of the Father God. They watched him go in Acts chapter 1. Amen. Ten days later, he sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. They were there in the upper room, 129 kind of women and children, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with tongues. They turned the world upside down with the gospel. Paul was called to be uh, one of the last great apostles of his time. And he brought the gospel to the Gentiles. He was persecuted, thrown in jail, shipwrecked, beaten. But God was with him. 
He lost his head as a martyr. All the disciples were martyred except John the Revelator and they put him on the Isle of Patmos to die. They tried to kill John the Revelator and put him in, a, in hot oil, in boiling oil, Josephus says. And he didn't die and they were scared. They put him on the Isle of Patmos. On the Lord's day, John the Revelator said, I was in the spirit and I turned and saw one, saw Jesus. And Jesus said, write the things that you've seen, things which are, things which shall be. It was written in the book of Revelation, and we have the account. When you understand the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the one that was there recording everything that was said and done. He sent the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to make a statement now. A New Testament church must accept Christ as the Son of God must accept Him as the only way of salvation. The only way to be forgiven of sins is the blood of the Lamb. They must accept the fact that the Holy Spirit comes to live in the believer's heart at conversion. They must also accept the fact the power of the Holy Ghost comes with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They must accept the fact that there are nine spiritual gifts and there are the fruit of the Spirit. There are five ministry gifts that the Holy Spirit has set up and Jesus has ordained in the body of Christ Amen. until we all come to the unity of faith. Amen. Because He's going to come back for a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle. He's going to come back for a people that accept His Word as the infallible, inspired Word of God. He's going to come back for a people that hate the devil. He's going to come back for a people that hate sin. He's going to come back for a people that loves their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's number one in their life. He's going to come back for a church that doesn't forsake the sending of themselves together. He's going to come back for a church that studies and prays and believes God. He's going to come back for a church that brings tithes and offerings to the storehouse. He's going to come back for you. And me. Thank God. One of these days, soon, one of these days, we're going to leave this world goodbye. Hallelujah. And the Antichrist can have it. Glory to God. We're going to go into the Father's house and we're going to receive our rewards that we've done for Jesus in this world, in this life. All the good works. That were done with a proper motive, we'll receive a reward for it. Daniel said, Some will shine like the sun, moon, and stars. Amen. And then we're going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven and eat with Christ. <laughs> I just, saints without number. Hallelujah. And then, after about seven years, the King of Kings is going to say, saddle up, boys. <laughs> We're going back to take completely over. There'll be 200 million soldiers on the earth around Megiddo there in Jerusalem. They will fight each other and suddenly they will all turn and try to fight and destroy the one coming in the clouds of heaven. Ever I see him. Praise God. But Christ is going to come back in His glory and the saints will be with Him. I said the saints will be with Him. Therefore, the saints must get out before they can come back. Therefore, there is a rapture and a New Testament church believes the rapture. Amen. 
Glory to God. Christ will come back and destroy 200 million in the brightness of his coming. The eagles will be gathered together, the vultures to eat the flesh. 200 million men and horses. Then the Jews will say, what are these wounds in your hands? He will say, they were given to me in the house of my friends. And at that time, all of Israel shall be saved. All of them. You're talking about revival, dear Lord. Jesus will set up the judgment of the nations. All the nations that reject him will be thrown into hell. Right then. Nobody going into the millennium unless they accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. God will set up through Christ a thousand years of peace called the millennium. He will rule from the throne of David in Jerusalem. Thank God the, the, the temple is about to be constructed again in Jerusalem. And that lets me know there's a seven year peace agreement coming. They're working on some kind of uh, forerunning peace agreement now with the president and Netanyahu. But there will be ten nations set down that are come together and have a peace agreement. And before that takes place, or in the middle of it, the church must leave. Then the evil one will be revealed, the Antichrist, the son of perdition. Anyway, there'll be a thousand years of peace and lying to lay down with the lamb. They'll study war no more, beat their plows into plowshares. Amen. Then after the end of the millennium, there'll be a great white throne judgment and all those in hell will be resurrected to stand before the Father God. There'll be no hope. They'll all be drugged into the lake of fire by the angels. They'll all be thrown into hell. And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and no end to it. Wake up. Don't you ever think you can slip and slide and get away with this thing. We got people, we got family need to be saved. We need to be on our knees praying for them. Because if God doesn't save them, they're going to hell. You hear what I'm saying? What's going to happen to us? Oh, we'll be in the New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem will come back to earth. And the Father God lives in the New Jerusalem. Then we'll know what it means to be saved. Right now we're looking through a glass darkly, everybody. But know this much. If your name's in the book of life, you got it made. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Dr. R.L. Davis, pastor and overseer of Zineward Ministries International. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we are doing, you can visit our website at zwmi.com or jump over to our Facebook page at Zineward Ministries International. You can also subscribe to our podcast in other ways, such as iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Thank you for being here, and remember to keep the faith and stay in grace.